Welcome to the Conversations with Anna podcast. My name is Dr. Anna Stump, the Golden Ticket Professor, a self-proclaimed edutainer. I'm a former business executive turned high school teacher turned college professor. And in the past three decades of that transition, I have spent time with several generations. And with that as my foundation, I have some stories to tell. In each episode, you'll hear stories or interviews that will help you focus on your own truth. I want you to feel accepted, motivated, supported, and then I want you to be able to take what you know about yourself and your truth, go out into this big old world we live in and apply that so you can move forward with a strategy for a more authentic life. Thank you for spending some time with me today. Now let's jump in to a conversation with Anna. It's early in the day, so much I want to do. I dedicate today to breaking rules. I'm gonna stick to a strategy. I'm gonna find out exactly what I'm made of. Is there really something wrong with just smiling the whole day long? Hi, and welcome back to another conversation today. And you know, I always talk about like what's on my radar, what's on my mind, what conversations I've been having. The whole world right now is talking about this great resignation. In September of 2021, there were 4.4 million people quit their jobs. Crazy to think about. We kind of knew that this would be an outcome when we study past psychological outcomes of pandemics and things like that. There's a ton of just really amazing research out there. A lot of um, really telling predictions by a lot of people. Uh, Think what you want about what all that is. But as a person who does a lot of coaching around careers and career prep and networking things, I do have quite a few conversations with people around quitting their jobs. And they're very telling when you listen to the nuances of why people are apprehensive about quitting. And I'm not sure if I've shared this or if you remember in earlier episodes, when I left Walmart, where I'd worked for 10 years right out of college, and my parents both thought, you know, first generation to go to college, and our daughter, who we probably weren't convinced was all that bright most of her childhood, to be honest, <laughs> she lands this job with the world's largest company. In 10 years, she moves to like six different states, 13 addresses. She works in training development at the home office. She travel on corporate jet. Like they thought I had just landed in the honeypot, right? They were so proud. And I call my dad and say, I'm going to go back to school and become a teacher. And he hung up on me. <laughs> Like, literally hung up the phone. And when I called him back, because I was like, "Uh, what happened? He's like, what do I tell my friends? Like, the perception of quitting or loyalty or what it meant to be successful was so completely different in his generation, in my generation, than what it is in today's generation. And even early on as parents, my husband and I had this, like, no quit rule. You know, if you start something, you're going to finish it. And... How archaic is it that you don't like have the, you know, the wherewithal and the ability to communicate even with a child around, okay, we started this, we've made a commitment, you're on the roster, you know, if it's sports or you're on the, 
you know, team or you're in the choir, whatever your activity is, right? You've made a commitment and you are listed as being a participant. Now, why are we wanting to leave? And I know from my childhood and listening to other people and watching other parents and watching even friends parent that we did not leave a lot of room for psychological awareness, um, safety, emotional and mental safety and things like that around these things. It was just this really hard and fast rule because when you quit, it was perceived as like giving up or failing. And we were not going to let our children do that. I think what we also have to realize is through these different generations, and I'll just summarize quickly kind of how I teach this when I teach marketing, because you know, as marketers that came up with generations is so we can sell things to people. But my mom was raised by a family where the husband went to work and the wife stayed home and everything was prepared around the house in a way that that was affordable. So there were three children. My grandfather had a job as a professional, like in accounting. And then my grandmother, you know, like they had one car. Um, my grandmother mended clothing and passed it down. There were not a lot of new clothes, clothing items, not a lot of frivolous spending. There was a lot of like how to make this pot roast last for four or five. You know what it is, like just being frugal. Well, my mom grew up and thought, I'm not doing that, right? <laughs> like, I'm, my family's going to have vacations and we're going to get a new car every now and then and I'm going to work. So that's what happened. And I came home as a latchkey kid. And there were a lot of times I could participate in things after school, but there were a lot of times I couldn't. I had two working parents and oddly enough, they both owned their own business. Um, so they did have a little bit more freedom to come and get me. Um, but sometimes I just came home and was by myself and thought, I'm not doing this to my child, right? Like, so our generation of latchkey kids became this generation of parents who tried to do all the things, show up at all the sporting events, even though we had our head buried in our, at the Blackberry at the time or whatever, to try and make it work, to try and make work and life. It was an imbalance. I think we thought it was a balance, but that was that trend. We spawned these kids who needed, you know, calendars and agenda books in the first grade so they could keep track of all the things they were involved in because we weren't able to be involved. And then that was like led to the participation trophy problem and everything else. So it all comes from a good place. It all comes from wanting better for your children than you want for yourself or that you perceive that you had. Um, it's also very cyclical. I see us going around and around. Now, I do believe this pandemic has completely altered um, who we are as humans. I mean, I've seen a lot of research about we are all different. And when they sent us home from work <laughs> and then said, okay, all clear, you know, you can come back this many days or you can come back in this fame, form or fashion or whatever. Well, they fail to realize like the people that went home in March of 2020 are not the people coming back to work. And I think that's a really big part of this great resignation is that people started to realize I am not in a role where I add value. I am not in a role that excites me. I am not in an organization that aligns with my values. I Life is short, right? We learned that. Um, as we stayed home for months um, and worried about the health and safety of ourselves and our family. And we denied ourselves time with people. And I mean, for whatever approach you had 
to the pandemic, whatever your belief system, value system around the whole situation was, there was a psychological toll. And I think some of it was positive in the fact that we started to have some distance and have a space to take a deep breath and kind of sit with ourselves and our priorities and things that mattered. And we have a different approach to work and life now. And I think that's great. I think getting away from some of these, I I wouldn't call them toxic messages. I would say that they had a time and a place where we were not as aware or prioritizing mental and emotional health as we are now. And that to me is fantastic. I think we need to do that. And and seeing quotes like Vince Lombardi quotes, you know, I remember seeing that quote, winners never quit and quitters never win. You know, if that's the message that you grew up with, then quitting is hard. And you can, you really have to work yourself up to it. And I'm not sure that that's altogether healthy. There is a lot around that. And that's kind of what I wanted to talk about today, because I've had a couple of coaching clients who were really grappling with, do I quit my job? And one of them was making over $90,000 a year. And the biggest roadblock to leaving to go either into work into a consulting business for this for themselves, which they know they can do. I know they can do it. Like, it's kind of a no-brainer, to be honest with you. That is the route this person should take at this season of their life because of when I tell you the network this person has built and the body of work this person has. Like, it is a no-brainer. And this person would have so much more flexibility and probably more income. But the wording around hating to leave the people that they work with in their current role, and then concern for how the employer will react. Okay, we got to hit a pause button here. Because I get like, try being a classroom teacher and leaving a job. Because in your mind and in your heart, you're leaving those kids. And you don't stop to process that they leave at the end of every academic year. <laughs> like they leave you. That is how this whole system is designed. But you do look at these students and you think I'm leaving. Them. Like there's a, that loyalty piece. And it's the same thing in like a regular job. You're leaving your colleagues. You're leaving your subordinates. You're leaving the team. That's hard. And you feel selfish. Because this is again, this like corporate environment where we've kind of designed this to be that way. So that we talked through, I talked through with this coaching client about like, you can stay, but it's at an expense to you and to your family and to the people that you show up for, including these people that you're super loyal to in this current role. But the whole piece of this that I think this is why we have to have career coaches because when I said did you hear yourself say that you are worried about how the employer is going to handle you leaving and the person was like oh I did say that and I said yeah and I said it is a concern well do you really want to work for that employer do you want to be part of that culture and there was like this giant pause And I remember one of my best leaders, one of my best bosses. I hate that word, right? It's not a great, not a great term, but they were my person I reported to when I 
left one role and said, you know, I found this or this, you know, new opportunity. They were completely happy for me. Loved it. It's going to be great for you. We are going to miss you. You will be hard to replace, but how fantastic for you. This is what you wanted. Okay. That was, that is what we all want, right? And I don't think when we look at 4 million people leaving jobs, I don't think that that's the conversation happening 4 million times. I know it's not. And I think these are those red flags that we have to really step up and think about when we think about quitting. And we have to flip the script on quitting. There's so much buzzword around perseverance and resilience and grit. Like I've done a podcast on resilience. I've done podcasts on setting boundaries. Like there's healthy forms of all of these things. I should not quit eating healthy. I should not quit physical exercise. I should not quit therapy. I should not quit things that are good for me unless I feel like I am able to sustain this in some other way, right? Like there is good quitting and there's bad quitting. Just like there's all these other types of, you know, positive and negative around just about anything. But thinking about being truly clear with yourself and knowing when you need to walk away from something, whether it's a job, whether it's a family member, a relationship, a friendship, a thought process, right? Like whatever that is that you have going on, whatever practice, whatever thing is in your life, you have to be really clear with yourself. And I found this incredible NPR um, article from January talking about like how to set boundaries with your family and stick to them. And I, I read it because, and I here's how I found it. It's around Thanksgiving when I'm reading this. And there is so much positive vibe happening in my social media feeds. Yes, I said positive vibe in my social media feeds. I told you all back in another episode that I did an algorithm reset. Didn't I? Like, this is so important. My algorithm reset has helped me see very good positive messages, supportive messages from people that are good for me. And I think that's one thing I've had to work on with my, all of my social feeds and how I spend my time. And it is in no way, shape or form me copping out on getting information that doesn't align, like is, you know, maybe the opposite of me, but it has been really beneficial. So think about that. Hopefully you're getting good positive vibes from your social media feeds, or maybe you're just a better person than me and you're not deep on the social. So congrats. Um, But I was seeing a lot of things about loving yourself and showing yourself grace and having healthy boundaries around the conversations or the, the showing up or what takes place around family. And as someone who turned 50 this year and lost my father, um, and I was a massive daddy's girl the last 25 years, like half my life, I've been just like a massive daddy's girl. And then my father was all of a sudden gone. And watching the vulnerability of people to share about their grief, to share about their struggles, to share about their boundaries, and to take a moment, whether it's on TikTok or Twitter or even LinkedIn or whatever, to stop and remind people 
about your circle of control and your self-worth and giving people the permission to just process and accept the fact that just because someone shares your last name or your DNA or the, you know, you guys are connected by a title, this does not give them access to harm you emotionally or mentally, just like it wouldn't physically. And there was a lot of really positive messages coming around the holidays. And I was so thrilled to see that because that has been a very slow iceberg of progress when it comes to mental health awareness. And it is um, positive and it's necessary and it's a message we should be giving everyone. It's not always the message I got growing up. And I mentioned like my last 25 years with my father were amazing. The first 25 were not. And I had to go to therapy. I've been, I made no qualms about this. I've shared it on many episodes. My mom and I were both in therapy to learn how to deal with my dad. And my mom kept telling me, you just never understood that his childhood, you've never understood where he's come from. And I'm thinking, why would I need to do that? He's the parent. (laughs) I'm the child. He needs to like figure this out and then come to me. But the thing that happened at like the halfway mark of my lifetime with my father is I did get some clarity about some things and I did go to him and say, look, we have to talk about all of this. I need to understand you. You need to understand me. We need to make a plan to go forward. This is not going to work. We're either going to do this all the way or we're not doing it at all. And he was like, I don't think I can. I really don't think I can. I don't know what that looks like. I'm really uncomfortable with this. I do not want to talk about this stuff. Nothing good comes from talking about the bad things. And I was like, I disagree. And over the course of weeks and visits, he peeled back the fear and just the unknown of talking about things and answered my questions and explained things to me. And you could see him visibly sit up straighter and look at me deeper and really understood the toll that that distance, that emotional distance and that like bristly behavior where he was trying to protect his like little wrinkled up heart. (laughs) Like you could understand that came clear for him. And I got really open and honest about how his actions were making me feel And we walked away from that like two or three month period where we worked on that. And for the next 25 years, that man showed up in ways that I think even surprised him. He was a better father. He was an amazing father-in-law. He was a wonderful grandfather. And I miss him every day, but just have these amazing memories. Like when we talk about him in my house, it's so fun and it's laughter and it's all those things simply because he loved me enough to sit down and just get raw. And here's the thing. I loved me enough and my mother loved me enough to stay in that and to push. I'm not telling you that you should stay in it and push. I could have stayed in that and I could have pushed and he could have never sat down and talked and I would have had to have walked away. And I, I have no doubt in my mind that I could have done that. And I have no doubt in my mind that it would have been the best thing for me. But luckily I got in, you know, what Brene Brown calls the arena, right? I got in that arena and he got in there with me and we did really good work. That is not always the case. And if there's one thing that having 
positive, wonderful people in my life and getting a little older and this pandemic and empathy and all of the work I have really tried to do around emotional intelligence and just relationships and things is that I have started to really hone my lens. And every person that I look at, I look at with the vision of this person is, I believe this person is doing the best they can with what they have. Is that enough? Is that enough for them to have access to me, to my time, to my heart, to my loved ones, to my bandwidth, you know, whatever it is? Is this enough? Are they working to develop themselves? Like, if they are lacking so much that this is an issue and that I have to stop and remind myself they're doing the best they can with what they have, are they working to get more? Are they building a stronger foundation for themselves? Are they trying to grow? Are they aware of all of this? Are they open to these conversations? Are they open to feedback? Are they open to accepting help? Are they doing what they need to do? If they are, far be it for me to walk away. I want to be there to help when they need it, to hold their hand when they need it, to guide them, to learn from them, to learn from their journey. Because I am certainly not like at the end of the road, all finished with myself waving, going, it's great down here. Come on down. We're all perfect. No, that is not where I am on the road at all. But I want to partner with somebody. I do not want to drag them. I do not have the energy for that. (laughs) Do not have the energy for that. I can't even do that with the people in my own house. I'm not doing it with people outside of my house. If these people are not willing to do their part, got to quit, got to be done, got to walk off. That is building a healthy boundary. So if you're thinking about like, how do you manage boundaries? This NPR article, really good. And here's why I think I loved it, because it was very reminiscent. You could almost lay it on a piece of tracing, you know, paper. Do you guys remember tracing paper? Good Lord. Every time I talk, I'm old, old lady. But you could you could lay it over Covey's circle of control that I love so much um, as a process of understanding like what I should be giving my time and energy and attention to. There's so much outside of my control that I cannot impact. So why worry? But this NPR article had a wellness expert and consultant on and a therapist author in this article. And I'll put the link in the show notes. But they talked about, like, the best way to maintain boundaries and to decide is, again, you have to be really clear with yourself. Trust yourself. Trust yourself. Again, this is everything I believe in, right? Like, know yourself You have to accept yourself, love yourself, and then go out and share yourself. But when we talk about sharing yourself and going out and impacting the world and providing value and building a network and building a professional life, all of that comes from that trust of yourself. So being really honest with yourself and knowing, you know, the control that you have This um, author, I think it was the author, yes, the wellness writer and consultant, along with this therapist said that they recommend an exercise called the boundary circle, where you draw a circle on a page. And I think, again, this goes back to me telling you things about journaling about yourself, making lists about yourself, really being intentional and putting things down on paper. Again, I'm old. Paper, pencil, pens, I don't know, colored highlighters, gel pens. It's all super fun to me. But use your phone, whatever you got to do. Um, do it in your head. Just make it permanent. Make it formal. Um, but draw a circle 
inside the circle of the things that you need in order to be seen, supported, and heard. Okay? And everything else you leave outside of that circle. And that way you have clear boundaries that you can start to negotiate with the people around you. What are your bare minimum? And you can say, like, this is my bare minimum in any relationship. Like, I'm going to need to be respected. I'm going to need to trust you. I'm Whatever those little, whatever those things are, those are very necessary for healthy relationships, including with yourself. And if you can articulate that, if you can make a list, if you can see it in writing, then you have the foundation for every relationship within your life. And it's also putting that flag down that says, I'm worth this. I matter and I'm going to protect myself. That's huge. And it does really not matter if we're talking about a coworker, if we're talking about your boss at work, if we're talking about an entire organization or culture of your employer. It doesn't matter if we're talking about a relationship, a friendship, a mother, a father, a child, anybody. Like this is a really impactful piece. Nothing is meant to last forever. It really, truly is not. We are not all out looking for our first job so we don't ever have to have another job, right? Department of Labor says today's learner will have between 10 and 13 jobs by the time they're 35. No job is meant to last forever. Back in the 90s, early 90s, late 80s, when they came up with the 401k, mobile retirement accounts, that was because the trend even then People were not staying in jobs forever. We were not, we don't all have pensions. We are not made to be employed forever. So nothing is forever. You're expected to move on. You're expected to grow. You're never done growing, I hope. And you are expected to outgrow roles, outgrow organizations, outgrow things. Technology will kick you out of a role, the economy, whatever else, right? You will have to go on whether it's your choice or not, at some point, make it your choice. Be clear about where you're headed. Relationships. I worked diligently for 25 years on having a positive relationship with my dad, forgetting the first 25 years. All good. If you ask anybody who knew my dad at 83 years old, we all expected him to be around another easy 15 years. <laughs> there were times we joked in my house, my husband and I, the man might outlive us. He was just super active, very healthy. He was a workhorse. And I knew I would lose him someday. I was not expecting it to be the day that it was. But even then, I did that work and invested in our relationship and worked hard those last 25 years to keep good positive lines of communication open because He worked hard to get to that point, and he deserved me to give him my attention, my expectations. That was the other thing that was great about my dad, is he was so new to this, like, vulnerability and, like, open communication and love, because he did not have that growing up, that he would often look to me in certain situations, like, and you could just tell his thought process was like, is this okay? (laughs) Is this what I'm supposed to be doing? He needed a lot of affirmation when it came to those things that were like touchy feely. And I always gave that to him. I always gave him praise when he would do things 
you know, like be here when we woke up in the morning when he visited because he used to like to leave in the middle of the night so we didn't have to say goodbye to people because he did not like saying goodbye. So when my son was born, I was like, look, you cannot be taken off in the middle of the night again. You don't do that to a child. And he was like, oh, okay, okay, good to know. (laughs) These were not things that came easy to him. And over the years, we began a tradition every morning when he would be leaving after he visited, you know, he visited three or four times a year, or we would try and visit him a couple times a year. Every morning as we were departing, I took a picture with he and my son. And now I have these amazing photos, right, from when my son would, like, be held because he was a tiny little guy to, like, where my son's almost taller than his grandpa last year. Like, it's this amazing thing. And that is my reward. That is my reward for the work that I did. And our relationship ended because he passed away. We didn't quit on each other. And quite honestly, I'm still working at it, right? I'm still working to accept my grief and and embrace good memories in a way that honors him because he never liked to be sad. He had a lot of sadness in his life. And I'm still working on that. It's still a very positive, good relationship in my life. What wouldn't have been good is to try to make something out of nothing or for me to have tried to meet him where he was, but then find myself going all the way over to where he was because that level of energy and attention and emotion and distance and the buildup and then the transaction and then the letdown, all of that process for every visit would have taken its toll on me. And every time you rip a piece of yourself off like that for a person, you don't get it back. It doesn't grow back very easily. And as you do that over time, and then you start to settle in other areas of your life because that becomes, I'm, I'm weakened from this and then I get weaker at work or I don't have the confidence or the energy to do what I need to do in this friendship or this relationship. Maybe you're different. Maybe it's just me, but I do, n- I do not find unlimited like pools of energy and emotion and empathy to be dealing with a bunch of spinning plates that are really not healthy. And I just can't do it. And out of that, good, healthy boundaries are born. But I think it's very important to think about where the, you know, think about that boundary circle, you know, be your own inner expert and draw the boundary circle when it comes to like your minimum requirements for a positive work environment, a positive friendship, a healthy relationship. And just constantly remember, even maybe write it in a pencil. I don't know, because you constantly are changing. The world is changing Technology, everything is changing. So your boundaries have to shift and change with you. Um, you want to draw lines. You just want to make sure you're not drawing them in some heavy Sharpie that you think are going to stay there forever. And we have to move on from a place where we feel like failure is, you know, our quitting or walking away is some sort of negative failure. And it, it truly is not. In many instances, again, if you quit on the good things, right, if you quit healthy behavior, if you quit healthy eating, if you quit things, it's so funny, like I went to put like the word quit and it talks about just getting rid of something or, you know, the dictionary definition um, to leave something usually permanently, 
I think that's the one heavy thing is like, if I walk away from this, I can never come back. I don't think that's necessarily true. If you look at people's career, tra- you know, trajectories, nobody's trajecting their career in a real straight line. Um, I think it's, you know, crazy to say like, you're going to burn that bridge and never be able to go back across it. Right. That's as archaic as like quitters never win or whatever. But I just, I thought it was very interesting to think about the, even the Latin root of the word quit means calm. Right, it almost like the Latin definition of the word means like things are calm. Like you knew you had some sort of like consternation or some drama or something bothering you and you like leaned into the calm thing. So when you think about the ability to quit, and this is the conversation I've been having with a couple of people on their career journey is like, how do I know this is right? It's scary. We all fear the unknown, but I'm like, this is when you grow It's a terrible, terrible thing, right? This this is a horrible life equation. But when we're scared, when we're out of our comfort zones, when everything feels really raw and really different, this is when you grow. It is truly when you grow. So thinking about like opportunity costs, I remember learning that in economics. I had taken economics a lot as a business major and quite honestly, because I had to drop it and take it again because I never understood economics. (laughs) So, but I do remember opportunity costs. The opportunity cost is not just for economics, it's for your life. What is the, what am I giving up to make this choice? You know, when I decided to go back and get an MBA because I wanted to leave the high school classroom and go into teaching, I had a two-year-old. And a husband who, you know, loved his job and coached two junior high sports. So then I'm wanting to go to night class two nights a week for two years and take on $30,000 in debt. The opportunity costs in that scenario were like super heavy. I mean, it made no sense. But what do you gain from that? What do you gain from earning an MBA? People aren't going to take that away from you. You will have that the rest of your life. And honestly, when I was ready to move on into the college classroom, I moved on and then got my, you know, like it all kind of progressed the way that it should. And I had a good outcome from my opportunity cost. There are people who don't. There are oppor- there's choices I made in my life. I not have, you know, I, I look at some like past friendships, past relationships, and I try and try (laughs) to like close one eye and tilt my head and think, okay, there was a lesson there that was not wasted time. But then you're also shutting the other eye and tilting your head the other way going, well, there's time I'm never going to get back. (laughs) That was was not a good choice. But whatever we're putting our time, our energy, our money, our career, you know, we worry so much, so much in this in this world today about like, what's going to look like on my resume? What's, what are people going to think? Those types of things. I don't know that that really matters. I could quit my job as a college professor today and go out and dig ditches. And as long as I could list my transferable skills in a way that's going to help me get the next job, it is still time well spent. I'm still working. I'm still learning. I'm still telling my story. So I think we need to get away from that, but it's still there. It's still a problem. It's still how HR and different organizations look at us too. Again, back to the great resignation. I think this whole system is kind of broken at the moment. But this is how we break habits, how we break into and fix broken things. Like we, this is how we're going to fix the whole process. So we just got to get through it and try and do our best along the way. But thinking about... Like quitting your job. People get really stuck on, 
you know, I've, I have worked hard to get where I am, or this is how much I make. Like, are you miserable? Yes. Do you love what you do? No. Do you get out of bed excited about it? No. Well, then have you really arrived at some like prestigious professional destination? I don't think so. Um, Is this healthy and good and how you want to live your life? I don't think so. And, you know, thinking about like the cost of moving on or the cost of not moving on. It is scary, but I, you know, if, if you are going to let your direct deposit dictate that, then you're probably always going to be miserable, but you're going to have a really healthy bank account. And if that's what's important, that'll be fine, right? Like, I guess that's, you're just going to have to live with those choices. But thinking about like, why do we resist quitting is because we're thinking this is not the right time. I will tell you, there's never a perfect time for anything. Is it a fear of giving up part of our identity? What will people think if we leave? And the thing that just gets me that, again, I have these conversations, especially with a lot of like early career people, is this job title juggernaut business. Like, well, okay, so I'm at this title. And if I leave this role, it's this title. What will people think? People aren't going to think anything because (laughs) you're the only person fixated on your job title. Again, how are you telling your story? What transferable skills? What were your results? What were your outcomes? And if you're leaving this company because you are not challenged any longer, then get out of the way and let them bring somebody in who's going to be challenged and re-energize their culture and you go somewhere where you're going to be challenged. And if somebody asks you about that in an interview and you tell that story, they're going to look straight in your eye and be like, wow, okay, you're who I want on my team. It's really just getting away from like how things look. Again, go back to my earlier podcast on that. I think it was like podcast episode two. I have really always had a problem with that. So thinking about what are you going to leave behind? Is it good? Is it bad? Try, and here's another thing that I think is so important to understand. There are some people who decide, I don't like this job. I don't like this situation. I don't like whatever's happening in this relationship or whatever it is, but I'm not going to leave. I'm not quitting this right now. I'm going to work on it. I'm going to stick it out. I'm going to forgive this person. I'm going to overlook this. You know, I'm going to compromise my self-worth for X, Y, and Z because, you know, I'm just going to stick this out or I'm not a quitter or whatever constant thing you're telling yourself. You're still making the choice. You're still making the choice. There was still a decision to be made not to leave. It's still a decision. So you are still making the choice. You just have to decide like which direction is best for you. And this goes back to everything that I started this podcast for in 47 episodes. And everything that I try and talk about is your self-worth and putting yourself first. Because you can still love people to a limitless capacity and make their lives better by loving yourself and putting yourself first. It is so healthy. And that is one of the conversations I had with one of my career coaching clients is, if you leave this job, let's say, $10,000 less a year, less, you know, let's say $800 a month. If I called you on the first of the month, next month, and you're still in this job that's paying you this great money and also just beating you up every single day and you go home and you're working for hours on the couch and you're miserable and you're exhausted and you're frustrated and you're stressed out. If I called you on the first of the month and said, look, I can take all of that stress away from you. I will give you time back with your family. I will give you your happiness back, but you need to write me an $800 check right now. You would write that check without thinking twice 
twice, wouldn't you? And the person said, yeah, I actually would. Well, then write it now. Quit the job. Take the new job. Move on. Like, take a little bit of a pay cut to buy back your peace. Buy back your life. Buy back your quality of existence for everyone else. Because I have to tell you, time is a limited and valuable resource. And if you are drawing things out that don't need to be drawn out, you're wasting your time. And there was a fantastic Twitter thread from Annie Duke. And I'm going to put this link in the um, show notes. Annie Duke was like, she's like a psychologist and a poker. I don't know. She's very interesting. But she put on this like Twitter thread that talked about like the whole concept of time being valuable and time is a limited resource, right? We have a finite time on this planet and that we actually need to learn to quit things faster. Quit things faster because you can spend that resource on more things that matter. You can quit things faster and go do and learn new things, which think about, I've talked about on this podcast before when I got my new job and had all of these hats to wear. You know, I'm doing all of this stuff outside of being a professor that I hadn't done for so long that I was like, this is super fun to have more responsibility and more things in my life that are new. And look at me out here learning and doing and accomplishing. This is fun. But I, if I had just stayed because I felt loyal to my students or the university as I was at before or whatever it was, I wouldn't have had those moments. You need to quit things faster to make more room. If you quit a lot, Annie Duke says, if you quit a lot, you can better figure out what you like. The more stuff you try, the better you will know your own preferences. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Talk about some Twitter knowledge, right? Like this is fantastic. The more stuff you try, the better you will know your own preferences and you will be better at picking what to stick to, what not to quit. The more you quit will get you to the place where you will learn what not to quit. And I believe this works with careers. It works relationships. It works with a lot of things, including family members. I'm telling you this, they are not interchangeable. I get that. But man, there's a lot of toxicity comes from the loyalty we feel or the amount of shame around your relationships with people in your family. We have been trained to think of quitting as a form of failure, but that is not true. The skill of knowing when and what to quit is what brings you to success. I loved that. So I did a little bit more research and here are the reasons quitting is good. Here is why you should quit and think about how to quit. And when you draw your circle with your boundaries and you think about these things, think about is what you're about to quit is what you're working on now allowing you to move forward in your life. Please don't quit my podcast because I even put it in the jo- in the title of the podcast, Stories to Move Yourself Forward. Are you moving forward in your life? I'm kidding. That was a shameless plug, but I'm a marketer. What do you want? Is what you are doing or what you're about to decide allowing you to move forward in your life? And that does not always mean financially. It does not always mean a job title. It just means, are you moving forward? Are you getting away? Like my relationship with my dad moved forward into a whole new phase. Reducing stress and creating more time for you. Reducing stress and creating more time for you. I do not need to tell you how stress works and does not work in your life, but think about is the decision I'm about to make reducing stress and creating more time for you. Now, if the person who was thinking about quitting the job that had the wonderful direct deposit was going to take like half a pay cut and that was going to create a different kind of stress, then that's maybe not the best quit. Um, But think about that. 
Like, does this all make sense? Is the overall big picture of this decision reducing your stress? Are you creating more emotional and energetic space for yourself? Right? Are you giving up all of this stress and all of this shame or all of this, you know, guilt, whatever these byproducts are of you being in this role or being around these people? Is walking away from this going to create more emotional and energetic space for you? Will it create new opportunities for you? And are you empowering yourself to become self compassionate? Hello, that's what I'm talking about. That is why I'm here. People who are more self compassionate have less depression, anxiety, and stress, and are more likely to be happy, resilient, and optimistic about their future. In short, people who are more self-compassionate have better mental health. That is what we need in this world for all of us. And I honestly think this is what the great resignation is about. And I'm going to leave you one more um, filter to use. This was a Fast Company article. I will also put the link to this in the show notes. But four questions to ask yourself before you quit something. And maybe put this next to your circle when you draw it. Why did I do this thing in the first place? Why did I pursue this in the first place? Whoops. And if it's a family member, like maybe you didn't. Maybe you were just born into this. <laughs> maybe you just got here by happenstance. Okay, good to know. Or maybe you got this job under for the wrong reasons, right? If you start thinking about maybe I took this job because this job title was snazzy, or I thought this would look good on my resume. Mm, well, that was probably not the best uh, reasons. And now look where we are. Second, why do I feel like I need to quit this? Why for the quit, right? We talk about our why all the time. Why do you feel like you need to quit? Third, have I done everything I can to make this work for me? Have I done everything I can, circle of control, to make this work for me? Not for anyone else, not for the other people, not for the owners, not for any. Have I done everything I can to make this work for me? And what do I have to gain by quitting? Those are all very powerful questions that I think would be super helpful. So I will put all of this in the show notes and Again, this does, this episode has a little res, a little um, familiarity with the great resignation, and I get that. But that is what's happening, and a lot of people are grappling with this right now. And some people are saying, like, if all these people are quitting their jobs and only 2% of resumes are getting looked at, I'm going to wait this out. I don't think that that's smart either. Um, I think you have to do what you have to do, and you have to look at all these resources and the things I've talked about today. And finally, the bottom line is this. Do not make this choice in isolation. <laughs> talk to people that you trust. Talk to your network. Talk to people around you. And make this decision with all the best information that you can. But really, the best resource that you have is yourself and the amount of self-worth that you have. So hopefully... You have um, been with me through the last 47 episodes, and you know how important it is that I think that you know yourself, that you accept yourself, love yourself, and value yourself enough that you're ready when these moments come, and that hopefully you can help some other people through their moments as well. That's what I'm hoping to do here with you on this episode. Hope to hear from you. My website, as always, is goldenticketprof.com. You can get a hold of me there on Instagram or Facebook, LinkedIn all those Twitter uh, would love to hear from you if you have thoughts or if I can somehow help you go out and quit the things you need to stick with the ones that are good for you, especially good, healthy things for your body and your mind and your mental health. 
Thank you for listening.